Welcome back to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. Lily's going to explain to us the difference between crows and ravens and how to tell them apart when you see them flying over or just by their call. We have the founder and inventor of the all-terrain cane joining us, and uh, he's going to be sharing some tips, too, on how to get the most out of your all-terrain cane. And I've got some reflections to share on cane innovations. Are they all really that necessary? Come on, Lewis, let's get going. And don't worry, Lewis, I'm not trading you in anytime soon for a cane. Hey, Lily. Hi. So what do you think about all those crows and ravens hanging around at the uh, Bluefish Research Station? Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's not that many when I'm there. No? No. There's right. nothing when I'm there. It's well, actually... you, you don't see them in the trees, but they're around. Yeah. Do you know them by sounds they make? I think I do, but you know, without someone there saying, oh no, that's that's a crow or that's a raven, and when I'm hearing them, it's hard to say if I'm getting it right. Well, they sound different once you know what to listen for. So telling them apart by sight can, you know, it's just as hard. Yeah. Because um, they're two subspecies of the same bird family. Both crows and ravens, they're large blackbirds found throughout North America, and the best clue for identification is usually the voice, but the species differ in other subtle ways too. So how do you tell them apart visually? The American crow is widespread across North America. They have a moderate bill size and they measure 50 centimeters in length and have a wingspan of 90 centimeters. That's wide, eh? That's yeah. almost a meter. Yeah. Wow. When seen from below, like as they fly overhead, you know, they have a rounded tail and five broad feathers, kind of like um, fingers. Okay. So the fish crow found more along the east coast has a moderate bill size. Its length is 40 centimeters and has a wingspan of 82 centimeters. Okay. I always thought the crows out east uh, on these coasts were bigger. They, they also have a rounded tail. Mm -hmm. when seen from below, but four, not five feathers. Right. So what does a raven look like? Common ravens found in Western North America, Northeast, and the mountains have a very large bill size. Mm -hmm. Their length is 67 centimeters and their wingspan is 115 centimeters. That's big. Yeah. That's a big bird. In flight, they have a diamond-shaped tail and four long, thin feather fingers. So now we know how to tell them apart when they fly over top of us. Can we uh, figure out a way to tell them apart by what we hear? Well, one of the best ways to tell crows and ravens apart is by their calls. Yeah. So American crows have a strong, harsh caw. Fish crows have a make a weaker, more nasal and often two-noted caw. And the common raven has a deep croak. So here are some expert tips on the sounds they make brought to you by our friends over at the Macaulay Library. Okay. So this is the American crow. Well, I thought that was always a squirrel when I heard that, but that's crows, eh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, rattling. The next one is the fish crow. They make a weaker, uh, more nasal, and often two-noted caw. Uh, And the last one is the common raven, and it makes a deep, throaty croak. (laughs) 
crows and ravens, they don't have the best reputation. Is, do they deserve that? Um, well, there, it all started from that like myth that came out, you know, the counting crows thing. You see one crow and it means this, you see two crows and it means that, and it all goes all the way up to ten crows, and it's like, they're usually om- omens of death. Oh. It's like the black cat stereotype. No need to stigmatize them because the, those, these birds are smart. They're smart birds. You know, when I was living up in the Northwest Territories, I was told that the ravens hate dogs because the dogs compete with them for the garbage, right? And the guy told me up there, he said, you know, you'll have three or four ravens and they'll gang up on a garbage can. Two or three will knock the garbage can over. Well, the fourth one keeps a lookout for dogs or people. Well, I tell you, every time I walked around, this was in Inuvik, Northwest Territories. Every so often, the ravens would just come up behind me and it sounded like they were going to crash right into the back of my head. And just as they passed over top of me, they let out their crow, you know, rock. Oh, it was intimidating, I tell you. Sometimes I just bent right over and ran for it with my dog. I think the dog was okay because he realized I was much taller than him, or maybe they were higher up in the air than I thought they were, but it was still, they were they were definitely chasing me out of there. They're a big bird. That's scary. I get it. Hey, Lily, thanks so much for your, uh, educating me on the difference between crows and ravens. And we've got Dave Epstein. He is the co-founder of a Werewolf Gear and the Alterade Cane, which I've been using now for six months. But hey, if I didn't like it, Dave wouldn't be on the show with us today. <laughs> Lawrence, thank you so, so very much for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, you've been pushing this hard for over a year now. But talk to us yeah. about your founding story, where you are now with this. As I was going blind, uh, got into O&M training, uh, tried practicing being blind. Then I realized, you know, I, I want to be safe on the streets, but... My passion is hiking. So what do I need to continue hiking on the trails of Arizona? Again, in the middle of O&M training, I know what the stick does. I like it. It gives me, you know, ambulation and mobility. And But the canes I had, the, the, the flexible, they're fiberglass or carbon graphite, they weren't cutting it. I, I needed more. I needed, I needed something to hold on to, some kind of support, mm-hmm. balance, stability. That was the, the brainchild behind the all-terrain cane. And it's getting blind people out to where we want to be. And that's the most exciting part about this. It's we're not we're not in the in the armchairs where you know we want to be on the beaches and on the trails and in the parks and playgrounds for our grand dudes. Uh, you know, enough of this the sedentary lifestyle. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah. Let's get out there and do stuff. So Yeah, man. I hear you. I, I hear you, buddy. I, look, I got your cane has now graduated to an honorary place under the backseat of my Ram 2500 pickup truck. <laughs> Love it. It's there next to my uh, floating hiking pole that I use on docks. <laughs> My wooden staff that I bought uh, to hike the Zion Canyon, and I still nice. love a good wooden stick. You know, light, tough, you can fall on it. It's not going to bend. It may snap, but I haven't snapped it yet. Uh, some old Low-tech. white canes that I use for more poking fires. And uh, I say it's white. My wife said it's not white. <laughs> uh, wading staff that, you know, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people who fish rivers with waders, right? Especially out your end, you know, yes, where there are yes. mountain rivers, where they're rushing pretty fast. They use yeah. wading staffs that are really just non-white white canes and uh, they're just for stability to feel what's mm-hmm. in front of them under the water mm-hmm. that they can't see is there a mm-hmm. drop off coming for you know keeping their balance that third leg expensive staffs that are you know, between 100 to 250 dollars you know for these beautiful things that come in their own holsters 
Mm-hmm. And and my all-terrain cane now, buddy, with the big orange ball. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you describe your ATC, your all-terrain cane, so people can picture it in their minds? We've got a 40-centimeter foam grip. All right, so it's not just 20 centimeters. And we've got a full 40 centimeters. And that allows us to uh, change our grips, to, to choke up uh, with a golf grip or a ski pole grip. Um, plenty of room to choke up as we're ascending on the trails we're climbing our, our, our two pace protection is nice and short. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what's right here. What's right in front of me, where my next step is going to be. So plenty of room to choke up. Um, this 40 centimeter grip is mounted independently of the three section cane, um, so that the, the cane itself can be adjusted in height, uh, from as short as 135 centimeters to as long as about 160 centimeters in length. Mm-hmm. So it really covers a good spectrum of uh, medium and tall individuals. Uh, we like to say it's one size fits most. I chose three sections because we're, we're used to it. We're accustomed to a folding cane, not telescoping made of titanium alloy. All right, so this is where we're separating the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, titanium is actually a little bit uh, heavier than other metals that we're using, aluminum. Uh, but the magic comes in at super, super strength. Mm-hmm. So even though it's it's heavier on the periodic table of elements for us uh, chemistry nerds, um, it's strong so that we can use less material. And the joints are not the typical cone joints we see on, on, on our street canes. Um, I actually selected what I call a sleeve joint, and that allows the titanium to stack one on top of the other, giving it that really super vertical strength. Um, and when I laterally load the cane, say if I'm, I'm descending and I want to break or I need lateral stability, the joints are not going to pop out. Mm-hmm. So it was really designed for this kind of application uh, for not only vertical loading, which, oh, we're not supposed to do on our canes, but I need to. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, and, and also that that lateral for, 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 for breaking support stability, uh, superior strength. Now, because of the design of the joints, one bungee on the inside just wasn't going to cut it either. Uh, got some sharp edges. I had to redesign the joint a couple of times. So bungee wasn't going to do it. Um, what I wanted was, again, that super strength. So I decided to go with a stainless steel cabling to span the joints. Yeah. All right. So it looks pretty cool, uh, but it's strong. Um, and the mechanism, the bungee mechanism actually comes from the inside, not exposed to the elements, not exposed to sharp edges. So what we have is just a, uh, a, a super strong cane that's built to be strong, built to be used in a different application than just ambulating, identifying terrain changes and obstacles. Uh, this is for all of that and more. And the ability to use it uh, not only on the trails, but as you mentioned, wading, hiking, you know, hiking along a riverbank, uh, where I don't, I'm not necessarily ambulating like a cane, but I'm using it like a ski pole uh, to keep me balanced. That third leg you described, mm-hmm. um, and and the grip allows us to change uh, to that ski pole grip for that support when needed. Um, on the bottom, I decided to go with a five centimeter rolling ball with a 12.7 millimeter uh, universal slip-on uh, sleeve uh, tips. 
usually come in two forms. One is a hook style. One is a slip on. Okay. I chose, I chose slip on because I, I just feel it's stronger uh, as yeah. I'm smashing into rocks and roots and everything out there. Um, so typical 12.7 millimeter slip on five centimeter rolling ball really does great for all terrains, uh, not just on the trails, but for roots, rocks, water bars, sand, beaches, mm-hmm. uh, the snowy terrains of, of new England and, you know, up, up north. So really designed to give us everything we need in the cane and more. Uh, the way I figure it, Lawrence, I, I've got a connection between my hand and the ground already. Let's use it for more. Let's let's put it to work. I'll tell you, when you're walking across, you know, any sort of uh, lumpy terrain, even a lawn, you know, where you, you'd find the tip of white cane, even with the marshmallow, it's just going to stick in. Most of the time it's in midair, right? And you, you only yes. touch down as little as possible because, you know, as soon as you touch down, it's going to stick into something. <laughs> so really, you're just carrying it above the ground and hoping that you're not going to step off a ledge somewhere, right? Exactly. You know, but with yours, you just push it along like a little snowplow, you know, and it just, <laughs> it just bumps along over the over the terrain. But it, it scoots nicely. It does scoot. And even sand, like take something to a beach. And again, you got that whole issue of it just digs in. It just digs in as soon as you're trying to go somewhere. So again, you're right. walking with the with the tip just above the ground, touching only when you think you need to touch, and, mm-hmm. and then you're going to take a little bit of a uh, Russian roulette kind of a cane <laughs> uh, mobility, right? When you're doing that, when you don't touch the ground, only every four or five steps, right? You know? Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. Touched on a really important point. Uh, the beach was where. What good is? a two-touch method on a beach when when when, when the kids are digging sandcastles. So you've got a sandcastle here mm-hmm. and a hole there. Mm. And, and I want to know where the castles are and the holes. Yeah. The all-terrain cane skims over the sand and yeah. finds the holes. Are you an all-terrain cane 1.0? Is this 2.0, 2.2.7? Where are you with this? It's the third prototype. But as far as the cane goes, it's version 1.0. Okay. I, I've pondered, do I want to change anything with it? Uh, materials, design, joy. No. Where are we going? What is my V2, my, my second version? I've got the, the accepted prototype in my hands as we speak. Oh, wow. Uh, I am super, super proud to announce the Urban Explorer. Let me so tell a you little about... taser built into it, you know, for personal security. Kind of well, thing. now you're <laughs> now either you're teasing me or I have to think about these things. Not too hard, my friend. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> more sleepless nights. But um, think about what happens to our canes in the cities. Cobblestones, curbs, catch basins, car doors. Everything that hobbles us or, or, or damages or breaks a cane I find breakable canes to be insulting. So I developed the Urban Explorer. What is it? It is a five-section folding cane designed super strong uh, to be vertically loaded, to be laterally loaded, very similar to the all-terrain cane. Uh, Different materials, but I still have the awesome sleeve joint. Uh, I still have the extendable grip. Not as long as the uh, 40 centimeter all-terrain cane grip. It's about mm, 25 centimeters. It does vary in length. Mm -hmm. The Urban Explorer comes in three sizes, small, medium, and large. Redesigned the sleeve joint just a little bit so I can incorporate one bungee. So it looks and feels exactly like what we're used to uh, from the outside. Although yeah. you, eh, the handle looks a little different, extendable grip, super strong, 
cane designed for urban use, folding up nice and small to about 12 inches. And then I've got the all-terrain cane, super, super strong, folding up to 21 inches, uh, 40 centimeters. Yeah. So both are super strong. They have their unique applications with lots of crossover. I totally agree with the marshmallow tip being good for what? Shopping malls, streets, nice oh, yeah. sidewalks. Um, out here in Arizona, everything is rough. Mother nature is brutal. And, and even the streets are very coarse. So I find that a marshmallow tip it just doesn't cut it. it, it it's too sharp on the end. It, it just, it doesn't work for me. So doesn't Dave, I was just in the, in the UK last week for a, mm. a commercial shoot and I, nice. and we had a day and a half just to wander around. And I tell you that marshmallow tip bouncing off the uh, cobblestone Right. right. And at cobblestone's right. beautiful and it feels great underfoot. It's, you know, it's, sure. it's heritage, but man, you you get a sore wrist after all. Cause it's, you know, and it's just, it's, it's like a sending little shock waves up your arm all the time. Yeah. And again, I was doing the end. I was just floating it along, not touching right. the ground when only when I thought I had to, you know, just yeah. getting my arm a break, but uh, you got the ball on the on the urban explorer do you well not exactly no? um when i when i was hiking yes i did put on a five centimeter ball but that is only because i did not have the dome tip in my hand yet oh. what's the dome tip dave uh well i did it again i redesigned the marshmallow tip to be infinitely more effective on rough surfaces and we're calling it the dome tip and our dome tip will come in uh, many awesome bright colors. Enough of this boring white cane tip thing. Uh, we're going neon with really eye-catching neon, uh, yellow, orange, pink, mm -hmm. red, uh, some great colors. Uh, bling it up for the kids, you know, bling it up for us too. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel that this tip is going to be the perfect complement to a super strong urban cane that can handle all terrains. So it'll still have that telescopic handle. All three sizes will have the same size handle grip. Um, everybody everybody deserves to be able to adjust their cane six, uh, six yeah. inches. You know, when you're with someone in a, you know, in a, in a social situation, you know, and it's crowded, you don't need Ooh. to have a big long stick way out in front of you tripping up people, right? It's nice right. to shrink it down a bit and then you just use it more like an ID cane. You know, it's just exactly. so people yeah. know you're blind. Crowded people... environments, airports are brutal. Yeah. yeah. Choke yeah. up nice and short, keep it tight. Are you going to bring it out in different color options? I hate to say once, but I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. To me in America, I really feel that white and red is very important to identify myself as blind. Yeah. Uh, because in an intersection, I don't have time to explain, uh, nor do I have uh the wherewithal or the flexibility to bounce off of a car. If someone says, you know, your cane was a pretty yellow and green. I didn't identify it as blind. I'm sorry. I, I, I am pushing 60. I mean, I used to be flexible, but, but the, <laughs> I don't bounce as good as you used to. Bones, no. <laughs> no. Also interesting point over in Europe, uh, they things are different there. Uh, oh yeah, they're much more strict about the color. Like I was absolutely. told, that they, I was told that if you have a white cane in in the UK and it's got a a red, the bottom section has some, some red on it heading yep. towards the tip, then yep. you're indicating that you're deaf blind. Exactly, multiple disabilities. Yeah. As far as color goes, I'm going to stick with the traditional white and red for America. Yep. All white for Europe. Uh, David Epstein, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the uh, podcast, my friend.
Lawrence, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so, so very much. Continue to crush it out there. Dave, how can people find out where to order your cane and follow you? Best way to find us is to go to our website, and that is awarewolfgear.com. A-W-A-R-E-W-O-L-F-G-E-A-R.com. Dave Epstein and I share some tips on how to get the most out of your all-terrain cane. How do you use the all-terrain cane? What are people using it for? You give me one, I'll give you one. Let's go through the list. Everywhere we want to be. Uh, trails, beaches, parks, playgrounds, snowy environments. Off-grid, really. Off the sidewalk, this is the mm-hmm. stick for you because that tip and the, and the ability to adjust the handle for uh, yeah. different lengths. So if you're going up steep, you can choke it right down and, and have that cane working for you nicely without having to you know slide your hand down the shaft. You're still holding on to that nice comfy handle. Or if yes. you're going down a steep slope, you can extend it full length. You're getting that information before you take that next plunging step, right? So here's one for me. I use it in the water, waiting because it, it doesn't float, so it's not going to be a problem. And it's it's long, so I can reach out in front of me a little bit and say, well, okay, where's that drop off that I don't want to fall off if exactly. my waders and get swept down the river <laughs> the waterfalls? You can clip it onto your fishing vest, so nice. when you're when you're fishing, it's just there, hanging by your side. It's not floating out like a log. It's just there, handy, ready to go to work the next time you use it. Okay, you go. Love it. Okay, next up, the uh, low vision elderly community. They asked me, can I use this for balance? Oh, okay. Absolutely. You, you're, you're cane trained, yes. And you have a connection to hand and ground, yes. Can I lean on it? That was my first mm-hmm. question when I took it out of the, the, the case. Is that ball going to start rolling? I'm going to fall down? Yep. It doesn't skid. Now, there may come a point where if I'm on a sloped uh, piece of ledge, mm. and I, I, I push straight on shore. But you know, with a little bit of common sense, it's doing just fine. I'm, I'm thinking for snowshoeing and, and anything involving sleds, you know, where you're, you're getting into deeper snow, that bigger ball on the end, and it's safe for my guide dog. So when I'm snowshoeing, I got my dog on the leash, long leash. Oh, nice. I'm not holding on to this harness in my left hand, and I got my, my ATC cane in my right hand, and I'm just using it for balance. I'm using it for avoiding trees and, and finding that trail. Because, nice. you know, once you're on a snowshoe trail, it's sort of like a little bobsled track through the snow. <laughs> and you just get that nice round ball onto the into that groove, and you just follow it, right? And the dog isn't working. People say, well, right. why do you bring your dog? Well, exercise. It's fun to have him around. And I'm thinking if my something happens to my sighted buddy, I yep. can always, got my dog, I can always go and get help. Got another one? I do. Somebody local came up to me and said, will this melt? Wow. As excuse me, our fire department, they say we go in with a, a cane, a, a blind cane, and that's how we clear rooms. Wow. W- will yours melt? Wow. So I had to do some research. Aluminum melts at about 2,020 degrees. Yeah. Titanium melts at about 3,065 degrees. No, it will not melt. I got one, Dave. <laughs> Docks. So you know what? Normally when I take a, anything with a marshmallow or pointy tip or any sort of mm-hmm. smaller tip on a dock, it's annoying because docks have yeah. the boards going east-west, left-right, big gaps between the boards. So as you're trying to move down the dock, it's like, dum, 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 yes. sticking in all the time. So what do I do? I always put my end of my stick onto the edge of the dock and I follow right. the edge. Shorelining on a dock. <laughs> and then that way I know where I am in relation to the dock. So if there's other people coming, I'm not on their side. I'm not going to fall off the left side of the dock. I'm not, you know, and and when the dock ends, I know what it ends. Having that ball, though, 
that ball Ooh. tip makes the shorelining so much easier. And I can also swing it around on the dock and when I want yes. to. Is, is there other things sitting on the dock? Are there people? Are there tack right. boxes? Is there equipment? One more for you, buddy. Well, you mentioned docks. What could I do for the water? I'm not sure, but... Uh... The big issue around water is they sink. Right, and that's an expensive tool to. You know, and you know when it yes. sinks is 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 when you're getting in and out of boats or canoes. So you're okay. you're climbing off the dock and onto the boat. You're feeling for the uh, gunnel, but you got to use your hands a little bit to lo locate yourself. So wh what do you do? You put your cane down on the dock, and you uh, think it's on the dock nicely. But <laughs> what it is, it's it's half on the dock and half not. Half and on. then it tips. You hear a little splash, <laughs> and it's gone. That, that, that's going to be a tough one, my friend. Lawrence, I will get back to you on this. All right. All right, there you go. I put the challenge on. David yeah. Epstein from uh, All Wolf Gear, All Train Cane. Thank you so much for joining us on the uh, podcast, my friend. I think I told you this story once before, but for those who didn't hear it, I was getting off a plane in Inuvik, Northwest Territories. That's in the western part of Canada. As I was just about to go down the stairs off the 737, the flight attendant handed me a white cane and I said, uh, that's not mine. She goes, you sure? And I said, yeah, pretty sure. And I felt it. And it was the funniest looking white cane. It was really short and it had a satellite dish attached to just below the handle. I could tell it was some sort of bizarre innovation. And she goes, well, do you want it? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, someone left it on the plane here two weeks ago and no one's calling in saying they lost it. So we thought you might want it. And I said, no, just put it into lost and found. Uh, I don't want it, thanks. Well, that was 30 years ago. And since then, I've experienced and tried all sorts of different radars and lasers and sonar canes. And everyone's trying to build a better mousetrap. I don't think any of those canes ever made it to market. But I'm sure a lot of money was spent trying. It's not always a good idea to think that you can make blindness totally disappear through technology. I know these inventors, they think being blind is horrific and even if it only succeeds partway with their technology, it's better than what we got. But that's not the case. And look at the all-terrain cane. It's just a white cane with a few little tweaks here and there and they've made it so much better for specific applications. There's not anything in there that involves a battery. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions at feedback at ami.ca. Thanks to Mark Affalo. He's our technical producer. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.